This is Solve It for Kids. Hello, my amazing and curious friends. My name is Jennifer, the Dean of all things STEM and STEAM, and this is Solve It for Kids. The podcast that gives kids and families a peek inside the real world of scientists, engineers, and experts as they solve problems in their jobs using creativity, cooperation, and critical thinking. And now please welcome to the show my podcast partner, Galactic Space Geek, Jeff Ganya. Hello, Jennifer, and hello, listeners. Well, after both Jennifer and I were at the Artemis One launch, this is a guest that we cannot wait to get to. Because every space fan that has watched a rocket move in Florida wants to hear this episode. Absolutely. This is such an exciting episode. What problem are we solving today? How do you move a rocket? How do you move a rocket? So believe it or not, This episode for me is so exciting because I remember learning all about this as a kid. So who is our guest today, Jeff? Our guest today is the incredible Dan Zapata. He is a crawler systems engineer at Jacobs working at Kennedy Space Center. Welcome to the show, Dan. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Jeffrey. It's great to be here. Great to be on the show with you guys. We are so excited to have you. We are going to talk about one. I mean, there's so much about the space program that is amazing, but I love learning about the crawler. And I told this story before, but I'm going to tell it on air. So the very first time I came to Kennedy Space Center with my parents back in 1980. Yes, kids do the math. (laughs) My mom was so excited when we took the tour in the back and there was the crawler. My mom was like, do you know that? And she starts listing all of the, what it does, how fast it goes and what That's it carries. What I was talking about. I was like, I didn't realize my mom was such a space geek. <laughs> <laughs> but my question to you, Dan, is since that was my childhood experience, did you have a childhood experience with space that kind of made you want to go into this and be the one who kind of drives the crawler? So, yeah, a funny story. Your parents taking you to KSC. My parents actually took me to KSC. Unfortunately, oh, okay. I was very young. I was probably two, three years old. So I don't remember it exactly. In terms of, like, did I ever want to be part of the space program? Actually, not really. And never oh, okay. uh, really something I, I sought after. Ever since I was a very young kid, I was very interested in math in science okay i knew i knew engineering was was going to be what i wanted my career to be okay okay i was always very curious i took things apart i put things together i made Uh little race car (laughs) race waste using cardboard paper i got cardboard boxes and nice my parents would get a little upset because how messy things got i built a lot of connects legos a lot of those things yeah okay that's awesome. So while you were in school, were you expecting to grow up to be the guy that builds something really big and cool, like that type of engineer? I'm not sure if I wanted to actually build something, but I, I definitely wanted to be part of the design of a okay piece of equipment. I think at a young age, that's what I was looking to do. Well, 
that's kind of what you do. So were you one of the ones with the Legos where you, you didn't always follow the directions and you kind of built your own Legos? Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) There you go. There you go. You were designing even at a young age. That's awesome. Okay. So we can't waste a whole lot of time. (laughs) We have to talk. Can you tell us what your current job title is and what exactly that means? Right. So I am a systems engineer for the crawler transporter group. Wow. Um, Okay. Specifically electrical systems. My degree is in electrical engineering. And uh, I work for Jacobs, which is the prime contractor for the exploration ground systems here in NASA. And in layman's terms, that means we receive a lot of the flight hardware and our jobs to integrate the flight hardware, put it all together and have it ready to go out for launch. What my group does specifically is we transport articles of flight hardware, if it's booster segments, if it's the Orion capsule that will have astronauts in wow. it, or if it's the entire assembly, which is the center of the rocket, the booster segments on the sides, the Orion capsule on top, that all sits on top of what's called a mobile launcher. Right. And okay. the mobile launcher is moved by the crawler transporter, crawler transporter number two, which has been modified to sustain the extra weight. Yeah, of all of Artemis. So are you the one that drives the crawler? So occasionally, yes, I do drive the crawler. Oh, my God. (laughs) What is that like? So, of course, Jeff and I are all excited. But for our listeners, can you tell us, like, how fast does this go, right? So, yeah, the crawler is called crawler for a reason. (laughs) It tops out at roughly one mile an hour. It's its top speed. Okay. of course, you have to go slower for turns for going over roadways or, oh, or yeah. the crawler itself can vary in speed anywhere between zero point, you know, zero one miles an hour to one mile an hour, depending on what wow. we're doing. And driving okay. the crawler, driving the crawler is, I know you guys ever had a building and just try to put a steering wheel on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great analogy. It's 131 feet long. It's 114 feet wide and it varies in height between wow. 20 and 26 feet so oh it really gosh. is like you're moving the the whole entire facility and it's so big that the driver alone can't do it themselves they have people oh. on the ground as observers right and they, okay and watch the crawler your blind spots you know your blind spots are huge you know sure. <laughs> i would so, think yeah i drive but, a minivan and i know that i have little tiny drive spots <laughs> blind spots i can imagine what you have on a crawler yeah oh that's great so during the first launch attempt for Artemis, I was lucky enough to get a tour and my group went right up next to the crawler. So I was able to get super close to it. We were able mm-hmm. to touch it, take pictures of it, but we weren't able to get on it. So one question I still have, is it a cockpit? Is it, does it look like the inside of a car? When you get into drive, is it a steering wheel? Is it more like flight controls? What's happening in there? <laughs> So there are a few different compartments on the crawler. And to get on top of the crawler, you walk up what's called a catwalk. Okay. And the catwalk circumvents the whole outside of the chassis. Wow. Okay. Through the catwalk, you have access to different rooms. You have the engine rooms, which hold, you know, your big Alco and Cummins engines. You have pump sets that, that move fluids around. Another room is the control room, which is kind of the brains of the operation. Right. Okay. And the hardware brains, but also the the engineering people are, are sit there, including myself at times. <laughs> okay. And they have test conductor who 
we call uh, GBCT, who runs the whole operation, tells their mechanics or electricians when they have goes to start different uh, equipment. And then on each corner, caddy corner, so one end will have one cab, the other end on the opposite okay. side Makes will sense. have another cab. And the cab okay. is similar on the outside to, I guess, a, not so much an airplane, but like a, like a boat. Okay. Kind of a, okay. Yeah, it's like a, like a boat. And the wheel is very small. The wheel is more or less the size of a golf cart. You know, it's oh, wow. Oh, wow. six, eight inches in diameter. It's okay. very small. So, but because it's so small, it's, it's not intended like your car would be. Like when you turn on your car, it happens right away. Right. But on the crawler, when you turn the wheel, it sends commands to the computer system that okay. interprets those commands and turns what's called the trucks on the ground. Right. And that right. turns the, the crawler itself. So there's a bit of a delay when you do any type of steering. Okay. So how much weight can the crawler handle? Because this is the same crawler that also took space shuttles out, correct? Yeah, it took space shuttles. It took Saturn V rockets. It's wow. taken pretty much any major large rocket from, from the Saturn V Apollo era through shuttle and now through uh, the Artemis program. Wow. And I'd like to note there are actually two crawlers. We have crawler transporter uh, one okay. and crawler transporter number two. And in the last seven or eight years, there was a big uh, modifications done on crawler transporter two to upgrade its uh, load carrying capacity from approximately 12, 12 and a half million pounds when it was houses wow. load weight in total to about 18, 18 and a half million pounds oh for the Artemis gosh. program. Whoa. So, wow. 18 and a half, million. And a half million pounds. Yeah. I mean, that is literally like driving a huge building. <laughs> oh yeah. The mobile launcher itself has a, has a very tall tower over 300 feet, not to mention the rocket that sits next to the tower. So we are moving a building. Wow. wow. So to hold 18 and a half million pounds, how heavy is the crawler itself? So the crawler itself it's lost some weight, but it's also gained a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> the crawler itself is around 6.6 million pounds right now. Wow. Wow. Okay. I was able to just recently visit the Cosmosphere Museum in Kansas, and they actually have one piece of the foot tread of the crawler track, yeah. and right. they actually have it set up to where you can touch it and try to lift it. <laughs> and oh my goodness. Just Does one piece. Like that? you, that's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> wow. Yes. Just one of those. And me and every friend I have not budging that thing. Yep. Yeah. So fun fact on that. Crawlers, they don't use wheels, right? Wheels right. would not be able to sustain the load. So no. right. they use this cast steel. This is one piece. I mean, it's welded at certain points, but this is all one piece. And this is obviously just just for visualization. The actual right. piece is about seven and a half feet long, two feet wide, and it's about a ton each. And these are called shoes. Ah, and there's, so, it's a shoe. And there's how many shoes in the whole belt? There's a lot, so right? The crawler has eight belts, and each belt will have 57 shoes. Whoa. Maybe it's a small little tidbit. What's eight times 57? That's how many shoes I saw on the crawler. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, there you go. I won't say it. I won't say it. 
<laughs> no. So each shoe just combined, the shoe's weight is nearly 1 million pounds alone. Wow. A million pounds of shoes or imagine right. if mom or dad's car had that much weight trying to pull into yeah. the garage. Yeah, that would not. Well, but, and that's why tires can't support it because they would not. They would blow. Wow. So what's on the surface of the crawler? You know, it has to be something. And I guess along those lines also, how do you actually secure Artemis or whatever you're carrying to the surface? Okay, by surface, you mean the roof, correct? The roof, yes, the roof, sorry. So, so on the roof, the crawler itself, the, the roof is about the size of a baseball infield, just to give you how big it is. Yeah. Right? And there's a protective coating on the roof just to keep make it water resistant. Yes. Underneath is our engines, our pump sets. That's important to keep water resistant. And okay. at each corner are interface mechanisms. Those are the points where we use to interface with the mobile launcher and pick up the mobile launcher from its touch points, either at the VAB or at the pad, wow. at wherever we're picking it up from. So that's what the crawler uses to, to lock into its load. There's pneumatics blocks that we manipulate the pneumatics to close in and right. secure those blocks, and we can lift or lower whatever load we're picking up. So it's sort of like, kind of like a mini crane or like a claw sort of thing that works and kind of attached to it and then so lifts it up. It's just like a piece of metal that kind of has a gear behind it. Oh. With air pressure, the gear kind of pushes the metal closer to the pickup point of the mobile launcher or mobile launch platform. Wow. Okay. And that kind of locks it in place so it doesn't wow. shift. There's so many fascinating things about the crawler transporter. Right. Uh, before we get back to that, I do want to ask one thing under the crawler transporter. I do remember hearing, but I don't remember the details. There's something special about the rock and the path that the crawler transporter has to go on. Can you tell us about that? Right. So as I mentioned before, the crawler is 114 feet wide. Right. Your typical road is not that wide. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The crawler itself needs its own road, which we call the crawler way, which okay. is reinforced limestone with some asphalt. And the top layer is river rock, which is the sacrificial layer. The crawler will drive over those rocks. They're very big rocks at first, and the crawler will move over it. It'll crush the rocks, and oh, wow. the crushing of the rocks acts as a form of suspension, lessens okay. the, the forces that the crawler feels and transmits it down to the ground. And it also is a more anti-static of a surface. So as we turn, there's not so much buildup. Right. Okay. So crawler so way itself travels from different parts of KSC, but the main road, I guess you can say comes from the crawler yard where the crawler stays most of the time to the VAB, vehicle right. assembly building, where the rocket right. will be assembled. Right. And all the way out, roughly four miles to launch pads A and B, which launch pad B is what we use to launch the Artemis rockets. Right, right. So from what I've heard, when you're driving this, you're not in a hurry, right? So how long does it take to say, take Artemis or whatever rocket from the VAV to the launch pad? You said it's only like four miles, but I'm guessing... It doesn't move that fast. No, it doesn't move that fast. I won't give the exact time because that's part of the challenge question. 
Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) From an operation standpoint, like what time we get on site to what time we support the disconnects of the mobile launcher and the rocket to the point we get hard down from the pad, it varies. It's usually between 18 to 20, 22 hours from start. Oh, my gosh. So do you have shifts for that or are you the driver for the whole time? Right. (laughs) So drivers definitely have to change out. There's only so much driving you can do before, you know, you get tired. We change out every hour with other engineers, uh, other crawler engineers. We'll swap out each other a break. Okay. So we've talked about all of this weight. You're talking about you're moving full rockets and launch towers, mobile launch towers, which are essentially moving entire buildings. And the crawler itself is enormous. If there is a problem. Yeah moving, let's say an Artemis rocket or something that's on it, what do you do? I don't imagine you have a tow truck with NASA that you can (laughs) call to repair the crawler. What do you do if there's a problem? Unfortunately, there's no tow truck for a crawler. But (laughs) the nice thing about working with this group is, yes, we do the operations, but we also do the maintenance. So we learn. So we handle a lot of preventive maintenance schedules. About 90, maybe 95% of what I do is not operations. It's just maintenance. So during that time, you know, we are constantly working on our equipment, constantly learning different things about it. And on top of that, before an operation, there's always some pre-test meeting. There's always, hey, if if you see something, say something. There's very high levels of safety precautions that we we always try to take. And if something does go wrong, you know, we stop. We assess what's gone wrong. We secure system or systems if we need to, and we either get support or we fix it ourselves or a little bit of both. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. I like that you're the maintenance as well as the operators. That really solves any communication issues. Right. Because you guys are the ones. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm curious, what powers this? This is moving huge I mean, not only is the crawler itself large, but now you're moving all of these enormous things. Like, where do you get the power for all of this? In the engine rooms, like I mentioned before, there right. are four gensets. Two are Alcos, which are diesel DC powered gensets. And that is what the crawler uses for propulsion. Okay. okay. The Alcos turn and they excite generators, which in turn excite motors mm-hmm. down wow. on the truck which turn these giant sprockets, another example, <laughs> to some gears. This is the fifth gear. Oh, there's several wow. gears inside the doghouse. It turns the shoes on the trucks, which gives us the propulsion speed right there. Okay. So those are two, two of the diesel uh, gensets, and the remaining two are Cummins AC generators, which provide us all the uh, electrical power that we need to power our AC motors, our lighting equipment, our controls, anything else that we need. Okay. So the crawler, I believe it was on the Guinness World Record that the crawler is the largest self-propelling vehicle in the world. I would believe that. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. So now I want to ask you a question about the end of the road, literally. So let's say Artemis 1 just launched from the launch pad. Everyone that saw pictures of the launch pad sees that the launch pad is up a raised platform of what I'm guessing is a super strong concrete and reinforced structure. 
when the crawler gets to that, how does the rocket not tip over? Right. So that's a very good point, Jeff. That's the only part of the crawler way that's not flat. Right. That's, okay. that's the pad slope. The crawler has to drive up the top of the slope to get to the pad surface where the rocket will eventually launch from. And to overcome that issue, you know, the rocket has to be level at all times. Yes. We right. use a jacking equalization leveling system or gel mm. for short. Oh, that leveling okay. system can manipulate the chassis height. So the chassis itself remains roughly five inches from level at all times. So oh, as you go up, wow. you'll see the crawler yeah, go up. That's cool. You'll see the chassis, especially the back end of the chassis, go much higher and the front end go much lower, essentially okay. keeping a nice level the entire trip up the slope. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you know, because and that's something that you have to think about as you're doing the whole movement. So now, because I live in Florida and Kennedy is in Florida, we know that they have high winds and all that kind of stuff. Do you have any rules about you can't move something at a certain level of winds or something like that? Right. There are some restrictions for moving once winds get to a certain velocity. And okay. part of the pre-task, it's more of an integrated pre-task. Mm-hmm. A few days before, we have our weather people assess the chances of favorable weather or unfavorable weather. Right. And they can say, hey, maybe we should move our our operation to this date. Or if we go this date, then you will have higher risk of unfavorable weather. So we also look at you know lightning strikes. We obviously don't yes. want to move a rocket with lightning being in the area. That also happens a lot in Florida. <laughs> right, it does. Especially this part of Florida, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I would imagine that, you know, all of these winds would be, of course, bad on the movement of whatever's going on. So, and the fact that you can't just be like, yeah, well, we got an hour before the big winds are coming in. We'll just move the thing back in, right? Like that doesn't happen. So you have to do a lot of planning, I'm assuming. Yeah, there is a lot of planning. There's a lot of people in part of the planning process, which can be good or bad. You know, usually if there's so many people with opinions, it's hard to decipher who has, you know, the the right opinion, but it's good to sit down and talk and listen to everybody's point, point of view. See, maybe there's something you didn't consider. There's mm-hmm. something that maybe you should focus on a little bit more. So that's all part of working out here and being part of an integrated group. That sounds great. Yes, it does. So we've been talking about the crawlers moving things back and forth since the Apollo days and the Saturn V rocket. With the maintenance that you and your team are doing and the fact that you're working with this machine every day, even if it's not actually transporting something, are the crawler transporters planning to continue with the Artemis missions, Artemis 2, Artemis 3, et cetera? Right now, the, the plan is Crawler 2 to support all the future Artemis missions. Okay. That's um, awesome. That's so cool. And with that, it, it will require a lot of maintenance, not only the maintenance we've done up to this point to keep the crawlers operational for nearly 60 years, but also the maintenance that we have coming up ahead. Yeah, the crawler is such a big machine with thousands of components and hundreds of motors that obviously will require lots of maintenance as you use it. Not to mention the wear and tear from moving uh, heavy equipment back and forth. Because even though the crawler is designed for it, 
and there's safety factors for the weight, it still wears your equipment down. Oh, and I like these shoes are wear items, just like I was your, just going to ask about the colors. shoes. So the shoes will be replaced every so often. I think we've gone through, uh, I don't remember the exact amount. I won't say how many, but okay, there are wear items on, on the yeah. crawler that we have to replace to keep the crawler reliable and able to support future Artemis missions. That's a constant. That's always a constant out here. So I have a question for you. So if some kid or adult <laughs> is listening to this podcast and is like, that's the job I want. I want to do what you do. <laughs> What would you recommend that they do? Like if it were a kid, what do they need to study and kind of learn about in order to do what you do? If you want to be a crawler engineer specifically, I would say, first of all, you, you got to like engineering. You got to like, and seek a degree in either electrical or, or mechanical engineering. Those okay. are the two, two fields that are in our group right now. Can I extend this out to non-engineers? Sure. Absolutely. It yeah. takes more than engineers to make a crawler roll. We also uh, employ electricians, me mechanics, welders, right. yeah. painters, okay. control painters. There's a lot of people behind the scenes that may not get all the publicity as we do, right. but their trades, their knowledge is just as important. Even working in a trade could give you an in to working in the crawler someday. I that, love that. I yeah. love how you expanded that group of professionals that that are needed for something so cool there's always some that get a little bit more of that limelight like you were saying but everybody has to be working right on the team especially with something as big and important as a nasa mission because we know little things can stop them well this has been fabulous like i said i've really enjoyed learning so much about the crawler which yes. is amazing but now we are at that point in our show where we ask our guests to give our listeners a challenge. What challenge do you have for our listeners, Dan? So I got two challenges for your listeners. Ooh, cool. Great. Uh, one is more of a math challenge. Okay. So we did talk about a little bit of the duration and how long the crawler takes to get to the launch pad. Right. Okay. So my first challenge to the listeners will be, so the launch pad is about four miles from the vehicle assembly building. And on average, the crawler goes about half a mile an hour. So with that knowledge, how long will it take the crawler to get from mm. the vehicle building to the pad? Okay. I love First that. Challenge. I like it. Yes. And then the second challenge, I think you guys will have the link for it. It'll be how to draw the crawler. Oh. Uh, I'm not very artistic myself, but I think last time I did this, my girlfriend did draw the crawler pretty well. So Nice. That's, that's awesome. A fun, that's a fun challenge for anyone a little more on the artsy side that could. Yeah. I like well, that. So we'll have this link on our website. And those of you that want to do the first challenge of the math, you share with us and then we'll tell you whether or not you're right. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, as I said, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for being on Solve It For Kids, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. An often used phrase on this show is we could have talked to him forever. <laughs> totally true with the mobile crawler, how it works, how they move such large rockets all the way from the VAB out to the launch pads. That was fascinating. I know listeners are going to be re-listening to this episode because I'm going to be re-listening to this episode. Absolutely. And I have always thought the crawlers... We're so amazing. There's so much that the engineering is just mind boggling for everything yes. in 
the space program, but this one, so they build this gigantic rocket, <laughs> which weighs this huge amount, and then they have to move it. And it's spectacular to watch this actually happen. And you can stand there for literally hours and, you know, watch it move. But I think it's so cool that Dan gets to work on this. And I learned so much I didn't know about the crawlers on this episode. Absolutely. Having seen it in person, or even if you just see it on YouTube and you get a look at the scale of it and, you know, where the driver goes and just how many moving parts there are to it, it really does get into that mind-boggling category. But they need to know math to solve these problems. And, yes, and Mr. Dan do. gave us a math problem, so I want to know if you are going to be doing that math as well as might you draw a crawler of your own? Dan right. did mention these have been around for a very long time and everything over time gets upgraded. What yeah. might a new NASA crawler look like? Exactly. Yeah, I think that would be really cool. I love to give the challenge of designing something new. I think that's amazing. So if you do design something new or you discover the answer to the math problem, let us know. Tag us on our social media. We're at KidSolve at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And be sure to check out our website for this episode, SolveItForKids.com where you will see video. We will post some videos of the web crawlers moving around. And there'll also be some books listed there as we do with every episode. So you can learn more about space and perhaps how you can become a part of it. And there's many things you can do in the space program, not just be an astronaut. And some of them are just as cool. Being a crawler driver, my goodness, mind boggling stuff. And everybody wants to know about your job. Exactly. So cool. I hope you guys learn more about the crawler. Until next time, you'll hear Jen and Jeff on Solve Solve It it For for Kids. Kids.